So tonight, the topic is called, Just Do It. So you might be wondering to, to, uh, to yourself, what's that got to do with the whole thing of um, brain makeover? Because we've spent the majority of the time in the weeks that, that have gone by speaking about um, how to deal with the craziness that happens in our mind and how sometimes our minds run amok. You know, I was thinking about it, it's kind of the, the topics have been about how to make our minds behave, you know, to, that, that we can be the boss. I'm the boss of you as far as where our minds go. And so we've talked a lot about the fact that for the most part we don't think about what we're thinking about, that we do, um, you know, we've talked about feelings and, and how they interact with thoughts and the heart and all of those different things, but... One of the things that I think is radically overlooked is the fact that actions and, and doing things, whether you feel like it or not, actually changes the way you feel. That you really, you know, it's, I think a lot of times, I'm, and I hear this all the time, where people are waiting to feel like doing something to do it. They're waiting to be inspired, waiting to be in the mood. You know, I'm not feeling it kind of thing. And I am going to assert that if you run your life by your feelings and if you allow your feelings to determine the decisions that you make in your life and what you do or don't do, your life will be a mess. It'll be a disaster. And so we, I want to look at some scripture because it's, it's, it's really powerful that we want to be making choices in our life in terms of what we're doing that reflect what we'd like to see in our life, especially when it comes to big picture kinds of things. A lot of times we tend to move towards immediate gratification and what feels good now. And, and one of the things, the, one of the reasons, there's many reasons for it. I mean, it feels good now. So, you know, something feels good, feels good. Uh, and lose sight of the fact that we're, it's costing us in the big picture of some of the things in, that we want in our lives and some of our desires. I think, too, that the thought of doing things when you don't feel like it, many of us have related, and I know I, I've felt this way before, too, where we think that there's freedom in doing whatever you feel like doing. Doesn't it feel free sometimes? Don't you think about it that way? Have you ever, anybody else ever thought about it that way? Well, it feels free for some reason to just do what you feel like doing. And I, th I think in thinking about it when, and talking to people and looking at my own thoughts and feelings about that, it's almost like if we're doing things that we don't feel like, do you ever feel like you're being controlled? You know, or that kind of, you know, uh, that relating to it and that, with that kind of thinking. And I think oftentimes it, you know, it comes about like if, if you've ever been in a, if you've ever had people that have been very controlling or domineering in your life that have been difficult, especially when you're younger, you know, where you felt like you had no choice, then somehow, sometimes we cro our wires get a little crossed and relate to the idea that doing whatever we feel like doing is having more choice. Doing what you don't feel like doing is having just as much choice and having just as much freedom. In fact, for the most part, doing things, if you choose deliberately to do things <coughs> that help serve your big picture of what you want in your life, there's more freedom in that than doing what you feel like doing. 
immensely more freedom. There's more freedom in discipline than there is in immediate gratification. So we're going to take a look at some of the interactions um, with that. Let's go to Proverbs 16. And we're going to talk about feelings follow actions. Also, I know I've been faced with this recently myself. Um, I'm at a big turning point in many ways in, in my life. It seems like, you know, I guess with all growing, it's, it's this ongoing process where um, I've been, a lot of the ways that I've related to leading this church, wow, um, that, and is that I've held back a lot because of my lack of confidence. You know, that that, like the emotional part of me feeling inadequate has held me back from, from, stepping, from stepping up. You know, my self-doubt. So I did not even know I was doing it until recently. I, I've been shocked, honestly, because, you know, again, when you pray for God, show me what I'm not seeing. You know, if you're praying for that, God will show you something. And one of the things that I've seen in kind of a huge way that makes me angry, you know, is the fact that there are so many ways that I have not served the way the best I could because of so many of how much I, I doubted myself and my abilities. You know, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. I'm still emotional thinking about it. But I'll tell you something, my confidence is not anymore today. But what's happening for me is the fact that when I saw what it's costing me and when I saw what it's costing this church, I went, hell no, I'm not doing it. I'm not giving in to the way I feel about this. It's not okay for me to cave because of my insecurities and my fears. So I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not right now. And my feelings are going to catch up. I believe that. So that's what we want to look at a little bit today. Because um, I think it's a huge part of renewing your mind. If you leave this part out, you just, you're not going to get there. You know, your movement's going to be like a little snail. You know, and we'll look at that from scripture. Uh, Proverbs 16 in verse 3, it says, oh wait, you know what? I'm, Does anybody have King James Version? I brought, I brought the wrong version. Can you read that for me? Proverbs 16, verse 3. Okay, I know the verse by heart. I'll just tell you. Oh, do you have it? I'll read it. Thanks. You know, because the NIV doesn't, um, it's not as clear. And I want to talk about the specific words that are used, you know, the, the Hebrew words that are used in this. It's Proverbs 16, 3. I forgot I needed a King James Bible for this one. Anyway, it's commit. Oh, here we go. See? Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So what I want to talk about the specific words here. Look at what the, wor the idea of committing means. Think about what the implication of the word commit, if you can get a mental picture, your works, your works, it, it talks about your deeds, the things you're doing. Commit your works, the things you're doing, to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. And your, your thoughts, the established means to be firm, stable, and enduring. 
So what this right here is very plain at what a huge impact if you're doing the things that the Lord is calling you to do, whether you feel like it or not. Just go, I'm going to do it because the Lord said so, and I'm going to trust it's good. That what happens is your thoughts become stable. How nice would that be? Wouldn't it be nice? I mean, because come on, guys, we know the flesh and the battle of the flesh. Don't you get tired of like having it be such a big battle? One of the ways that you make it not such a big battle is by practicing and disciplining yourself to do the works, then all of a sudden your thinking calms down. It becomes, it endures, it becomes stabilized. How nice is that? I've seen it in my own life. That's the thing is I've really seen my brain go from some pretty ridiculous insanity going on in there that was against God to being in a place of peace and calm, and it's not being so hard. I'm not saying that there's not some battle, but, man, it sure is a whole lot easier. You know, it doesn't feel like I'm slaying the dragon every day, you know. So, okay. The second point, so feelings follow actions, is I want to um, talk about. And then also, if you do God's will, it will work every time. There is no downside. I don't care if you don't feel like it or not, if you're doing what God says to do, you're going to get blessings. Now, mind you, what you want is you want your heart to catch up. You do, that, that should be a desire that, you, that you're reaching for, is to get your heart connected where you're doing it because you desire it. And you want to be reaching for that. But it's not going to hurt any to be doing the will of the Lord just because the Lord said so. Let's go to John 16. Because sometimes we think there's some harm in doing what we don't feel like doing. You know, like where damage is going to happen of some kind. Uh, thank you. John 7, 16, it says, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do and Do you see the word chooses to do? Part of this is we're all grown-ups. No matter what, we're all getting... If you're a grown-up person, you get to choose. There's like everything you do, you get to choose. Nobody can control you when you're a grown-up person. That doesn't actually exist. When you're a child, people get to control you. As a grown-up person, all of your choices, you got to own as being your choices. So it says, if anyone chooses to what... Do God's will. He will find out whether my teaching comes for God or whether I speak on my own. You you will know by doing things that it really, it's funny because I had a huge change in my life years ago when my life was a mess in the whole relationship department and um, I had been a Christian for years, you know, I was since I was 14 years old. And I knew that the Bible had always said that you should be abstinent until you get married. But I thought it was ridiculous. I'd always said, oh, I'm sure that doesn't apply to us. It's got to be. The Bible's an archaic book. It couldn't possibly be talking about us today. But I was so desperate that I went, nothing else is working. Maybe I'll try that. And I didn't even know one person that ever tried abstinence, never even met a person to do that. And I'm in my late 30s, and I'm like, my life is such a disaster. I'm going to see what happens. And I didn't know if I could do it. I really had no clue. I kind of thought maybe I can't do it, but it was a a one-day-at-a-time journey of saying, 
Nothing else has worked. Might as well try this. And it was shocking how much better it made my life. I was like, wow. I can't, I can't even tell you what was going through my brain after even just six months of that. I saw myself differently. I saw other people differently. I was shocked that, the, that it was so beneficial. And it really lived for me, this scripture, that you don't really get that it's God speaking until you do it. You're not going to see the fruit or the value, really. You can go, well, I think that probably is true or right. But until you actually act on these things and see the benefit, you're going, wow. God actually knows what he's talking about. This really is from God. I guess this is real. I guess the Bible's real. All of that kind of thing. But it takes the doing of it to really get it, to really understand. Does that make sense? Uh, let's go to James 1. Because I think we have this idea that we're supposed to have all this faith before we do stuff, right? I got to believe. I didn't, I didn't know. I had lots of doubts about it, you know. Just go, well, nothing else is working. Might as well try that. James 1. There's, James has got a lot of stuff about doing and not just about, well, just about doing. Uh, James 1 and verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. <laughs> do what it says. If anyone listens to the word but does not do what it says, he is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Wow, that's kind of bizarre. I mean, it's kind of a funny thing in a way, like that you would look at yourself and have no idea what you just saw. You know, like that you would, I don't know who does that. I mean, I, I was like, wow, that's a really strange thing. But what I was thinking about was, he says that somebody that, that hears the word and doesn't do it, they're like, oh, cool, great, wonderful, love it, and don't really act on it, is like that. It's, it's like the idea that you think you're seeing something. Oh, look at that. I'm seeing something in the mirror. I'm getting clarity. I'm seeing what I look like. Or There's many things that you can think of that parallel this. And then you leave and you don't have any idea what you just saw. And I think that, again, to really have the word of God rooted and to really have your walk with God solidified takes doing of it. Hearing it and making it sound good, make you feel good inside is not going to really get any roots. So that's what I think that, I think that's kind of powerful looking at that. Um, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Good words. Uh, let's go to James 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can, can faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. Oh, wait. I read, somehow I skipped something. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or food, daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you to be well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not... Uh, not accompanied by actions is dead. There's no fruit there. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. 
You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So you're not accomplishing anything to go, wow, I believe this is true. The demons believe. Big woo. You know? It's just sort of like whoop-de-doo. So uh, that's not saying a whole lot. So it's in the, it's, again, the power of actions and that making it live for you. Uh, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and that his faith was made complete by what he did. And if you don't know the story, it's kind of, it's a long story, but um, kind of wild. His, uh, um, Adam had told, I mean, God had told Abraham to sacrifice his only son uh, on the altar, but said that, and he only had one son. Isaac, so, and said that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So, there was a pro- so, so Abraham, in order to do that, had to believe that God would raise him from the dead. And that whole story is one of the examples of the faith that Jesus Christ would raise, rise from the dead. So, uh, and then, of course, he does it, and God sends him another sacrifice at the last minute. But it shows that he really believed God to the degree, to that, to that length that he didn't doubt. That was pretty a lot of faith. Um, But it says his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know, I think about this, that there's so many examples of this. One of the other things that I've really been seeing, and it's been really exciting to talk to so many people about, is giving. Giving in the Bible, the Bible actually says God's promise is that he will prosper us, but it's the one thing that is contingent on a condition. Because you know all the promises of God are by faith, that it says to receive the promises, you have to have faith. But the promise of prosperity is actually connected to your faith being demonstrated by giving. So God set up in the Old Testament, if you're not aware of it, he set up as a law that everybody should give 10% of whatever they make to God as the first fruits. So if you didn't have enough, you didn't have enough because the first, the first fruits went to God. But the idea behind that was that there was an incredible amount of faith that God would provide, that you weren't, what it did was it changed your heart. God set it up because 10% for everybody's a lot. If you have a little bit of money or a lot of money, 10% is always going to be painful. Um, in some way, I don't know anybody that's, I don't know anybody that's tried tithing that wasn't at first uncomfortable with it. Like, oh, am I going to make it? This is uncomfortable. You know, uh, I could, and you think about all the money, what you could be spending it on, et cetera. And so what happened is God made it as a command, he said, to, as an act of trusting him. Because you, clearly you had to have faith to give 10% of your money away when you needed it for other stuff because you would be thinking what I'm sure like what you know uh what what you could do with that 10 percent so God set that up as a law but what's really interesting for me and everybody else that I know that has stepped out in faith and tithing at the beginning it's so uncomfortable it feels not great it feels terrifying it feels like something's being ripped away from you. I mean, it's just really, it's an emotional thing. It does, it's not like the first steps are like, oh, I'm so excited to be, you know, giving up 10% of, you know, what, my money. But 
everybody that I know and has talked, uh, that I've talked to about this, because I know a bunch of people that tithe, and I know that it actually, in the end, makes you so much freer about money. It gets you to the place that you really do trust that it's God. You, you see God answering prayers. You see God providing. But it shifts your heart to not be so clinging to your material possessions to think that that's what's going to take care of you. There's an incredible amount of freedom in doing it, but you will not feel like it up front. I guarantee. I've never seen anybody feel like it before they started. So it's something that takes a walk on faith of going, it sounds awful, but I'm going to do it anyway, just like the abstinence thing was for me. And then you see God work. It's the same thing. Then you see, wow, this really is the will of the Lord. Everybody I know that's doing it is so blessed and experience incredible freedom and faith and feeling like God's taking care of them and not feeling all the bondage to being attached to material possessions. That's just one. There's so many other things. What about fellowship? Some of the things about fellowship. You ever not feel like coming here on Wednesday? You know, have you ever faced the idea that it feels like you've got to drag yourself to get here? You've got a million other things to do. It sounds hideous to show up. And then somehow, some way, what do you feel like when you leave? You feel awesome. It's just like, again, all of these things are things God commands us to do for us. These are things that God puts in his word that says that will bless us. So when we do it, when we don't feel like it, we're going to get blessed. How cool is that? It kind of works. It works like all the time. Isn't that the wackiest thing? It just works. Um, Now, I want to talk about the idea of discipline, which is repeating the good actions. Because one of the things, as far as real freedom goes and real renewed mind that we talked about, you know, that we talked about as far as getting having your thoughts be established is doing what you don't like doing over a period of time until, guess what happens? All of a sudden, you really want to do it. Have you ever had, some, sometimes people have tried diets where you eat garbage, you know, if you've ever been a junk food person for a while, and then all of a sudden, it, you start eating healthy in the beginning, it tastes not so good. All you can think about is chocolate or, you know, whatever your junk, whatever your junk food of choice is. But after a while, like, you know, but after a while, if you eat healthy, all of a sudden, candy is not nearly as good as a mango. Do you know, it really is that the things that you do that are good for you wind up feeling good after a while, even though initially they feel horrible. It feels like agony going through it. So I want to talk about that, about the structure, because it takes structure of doing a whole lot of what you don't want. In Proverbs 5... Oops. Proverbs 5 in verse 22. I've got a couple of these. Um, it says, the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. So again, behavior, bad behavior brings a prison. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. But yeah, so that's giving in to the immediate gratification and where that will get you. 
Uh, let's go to Hebrews to see the contrast. Hebrews, James, towards the back of your Bible. Hebrews 12. It says in verse 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. <laughs> you know, this is what you call saying it straight up. It's not, it never seems pleasant at the beginning, but painful, actually. Later on, however, it says later on, not immediately, later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Yes. <laughs> so there's incredible, this, think about it, this works for a lot of things. You know, we think about as far as seeking God and doing the will of God, it works for reading scripture. It works for prayer, it works for fellowship, it works with sharing your faith, it works with giving, any of those things that you'd like to build into your life that might be missing right now, that aren't easy or not comfortable or not a habit in our lives, we can build, we can build it, but it won't feel good in the beginning. But it'll feel great once it becomes a habit. It'll, be, it'll feel like... It, another, another, another thing that makes me think of is when... When I was younger, I never drank water. It was so bad that I my body just got used to it, so I didn't even get thirsty. You know, it was just sort of I drank Cokes, you know. It's, um, but when I got into beginning to drink water, if I was depleted, I could feel it. I, I would crave water. I would just feel like, I've got to have water, you know. And I wasn't, and I thought, and I used to think back, how did I go without any water at all? And now it's just sort of, uh, there's a few hours go by and I'm like dying because I'm not having water. But, but that's the thing is when you build this thing, the cra instead of feeling like it's agony to begin, it's as soon as you feel a little bit of lack with prayer, because you've got a disciplined life of prayer and spending time with the Lord, you'll feel, instead of feeling like you've got to drag yourself to prayer, if you have a day that you didn't spend time, you'll feel the longing to move towards it. How much nicer is it to be in that place where you're feeling the draw towards it instead of this mountain that it seems like to make it, you know, it's, it's your taste changes, it's your taste buds changes. Uh, let's go to Hebrews 24. Uh, I mean, Hebrews 10, sorry. There is no Hebrews 24. Um, Hebrews 10. And here's another piece of, of this as far as actions go. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know what a spur is? The thing that you kick the horses with or... You know, they, that you put on your boots, that's what a spur is. They're sharp. And what you do is when you're riding horses and you kick the horse with a spur, it does not feel nice, and the horse takes off. One of the things that we're called to as far as how we can be there for one another is to spur one another on to love and good works. That we can also be people that encourage each other where it's an, an iron sharpening iron relationship, that we want to be speaking up to people and just in areas out of love. This is not out of control. This is not out of judgment. It's coming from a place of just going, gosh, are you reading the Bible? Maybe you should try that. You know, how much are you spending time in prayer? 
you know, like if things aren't going great for somebody, of, of talking, of just encouraging people to do things that are going to bless them and to help. Plus, a lot of, we need each other to help one another along to build new habits. Discipline doesn't come like, bam, like we, we're, we put in the body of Christ so we can help one another. With structure and support, we need one another to build totally new habits so that they become easy. That's, the, that's kind of the concept. It's, if you haven't read the book, How People Grow, it's all about, you know, the ingredients for growth are the people, time, structure, you know, kind of thing. The, you got God, love, grace, people, time, structure. To, to, uh, where people provide structure, if you don't have it, if you like discipline, go to somebody. You go to a trainer. You want to work out, go to Martha. She'll kick your butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's just, if you have a hard time, if that's not an easy thing, what do you do? You hire a trainer to help you, you know, because you pay that person, you're going to probably show up and do something. Or, or if you, even if you just made an appointment with Martha, you probably don't want to leave her hanging there. I'm just, <laughs> what? Wow, what did I say? <laughs> oh, she will? Well, that's good. That spurs on to love and good works. We want to encourage each other. So, so just, I want to just in, in conclusion with this, because I think this is a very important part of our renewed mind and in making our brains behave and making our minds serve us and having peace and not just having craziness in our heads and, and where our minds are going all over the place. A couple of th- the things in, in terms of actions, don't let feelings run your life and make decisions for you. What you want to do is, is you look at the big picture in your life and what you want to do. Doing anything according God's, to God will be good even if you don't feel like it. Reading scripture is not going to hurt you. Prayer is not going to hurt you. Fellowship, sharing faith, giving is not going to hurt you. It's not the same as earning God's love. God loves you whether you do any of those things or not. The reason that we discipline ourselves to do those is not so God will love us more. It is merely so that we have fruit in our lives because God, you know, it's like it's the laws, the laws that God set up of life and how life works. Um, But it takes building new habits and behaviors until it feels good. At the beginning, no discipline feels pleasant, you know, at first. It it feels pleasant painful and terrible but you need so expect it to be hard just because it feel doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not going to be awesome and bear fruit we want to keep looking at the big picture in our lives and not give everything up for immediate gratification and take a look at are our actions lining up with what we want the big picture to look like are, are the the you know the time and where we're spending all of that focused on that so in this whole thing, we've been talking about the brain makeover and the feelings and all of that. You can work at it both ways. It's not like we're denying feelings. That's different. We are noticing and recognizing feelings and discovering things, but we're n- that's a totally different thing. I'm not saying squash them down and ignore them because we talked about that in the other teachings. But this is deliberately saying I might f- I, you, what your feelings might be telling you is something based on old triggers or all kinds of other things that are causing fears or anxiety, etc., that aren't based on reality, aren't based on truth, and that need healing. So when we're going to change things, what we want to do is is act according to God. We're not going to go wrong, and then pray that our hearts will catch up. We do want to seek 
for our hearts to shift. If you continue and not seek for your heart to change and do the other things that we talked about in the, in the previous weeks and just go, I'm doing this for God. If you're doing it for God and not you, it's also going to build resentment. You know, in a way, it's just sort of like, you're not, God doesn't ask you to do this for him. He asks you to do this for you. He's going to love you the same whether you do this or not. Same love. So the only reason that we're making this, God loved me plenty when I was committing adultery. It's shocking, but you know what? He did, and he loved me and blessed me in other parts of my life. The fact that I was committing adultery just caused destruction in that part of my life. So it was just sort of, he lets us choose how much healing we want. But the more that we choose God, because he loves us and because he wants the best for us, the more we see freedom. It is not being controlled to have discipline and structure in your life. It's being a grown-up, and it's being, you know, and owning the fact that you're not a kid anymore. And that you're choosing things that are taking you a direction in a deliberate way and not being a victim by let, being led around by your feelings. Because that's just going to cause a big mess. Okay. Amen. End of our Brain Makeover series. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I am, I'm very grateful for your love and grace and that you don't control us. That you don't... In your word, the, you didn't set up your words that you, we would be ashamed and, and that you would punish us and reject us for not doing it. That you set up all the things in your word out of absolute love for us. That you love us no matter what, in whatever condition we come to you, whatever choices. Whether we choose to do the things that you, you have in your word or not, you're still going to absolutely love us as your children. But that you want us to be set free. That you want us to have amazing lives and to be full and rich in every single way. So help us, Lord, help us to, to keep in mind your love and that you're for us, not against us. That doing things your way and making choices for you are only to bless us. And so help us, Lord, in doing that and help us in moving our lives more and more towards you. Amen.